You're listening to the News Roundup, all things happening in global supply chains or impacting global supply chains this week. I'm Tony Hines, and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. The war in Ukraine continues. Inflation, still a big problem. Energy costs, still a big problem. Transport costs, still a big problem. The Northern Irish Protocol, Prime Minister in the UK wants to break the rules. Interest rates in the United States rise by 0.75% and in the United Kingdom by 0.25%. The Bank of England in the United Kingdom has said that inflation is likely to hit 11% by October. So if the bank says that, it's probably going to be at least 12 fuel costs for consumers and for businesses hit a record high in the United Kingdom and in the United States. Recessions looming, stagflation likely in the UK. Forecasts are down everywhere for output. And labour strikes are looming in the UK. All sorts of unrest. The list just gets longer. What was it Machiavelli said? Obstacles and opportunities. Well, there's plenty of those. The Office for National Statistics in the United Kingdom says that it's the biggest wage fall in 20 years as inflation is running rampant. In for a year of pain. Regular wages, excluding bonuses, plunged by 4.5% in April when taking consumer price index inflation into account. It's the biggest fall since records began in January 2001. Inflation's at a 40-year high, 9% due to higher energy and fuel. The war in Ukraine is a major impact as economies are just recovering from the pandemic. And jobless figures are just starting to push up. Is this a return to the 1970s? Mm. Politicians, of course, are always behind the clock because they're looking backwards. They look through a rearview mirror because they're looking at figures from a month or two back and trying to make plans for the present instead of looking forward. There's nothing to be complacent about here. And of course, all of this creates a turbulent environment for supply chains and for supply chain professionals to manage their businesses. The euro against the pound is about 115, and the pound has also fallen against the US dollar on the back of economic news. It's down to $1.20 which is the lowest it's been for some considerable time. Brent crude is 123 US dollars a barrel, nearly 124. And every day, passing garages on the road, the price of fuel is going up by pennies. So it's increasing daily. If consumer prices go up 10% annually, does that mean in 10 years' time, The pound or the dollar in your pocket is worth nothing? Well, there's a depressing thought. An even more depressing thought is that central banks think that a quarter of a percent is going to stem the tide. Nothing's really going to change in supply chains until energy costs are lower and there's a more stable environment in which to operate. And of course, that's the job of government. It's a job they're finding very hard to do at present. The Financial Times this week reported that, as a consequence of Brexit, exports from the United Kingdom to the European Union fell by 15%. And they say the cause was Brexit. So all down to the United Kingdom leaving the European Union. If proof were needed that cooperation is better than conflict, this might just be that. <laughs> 
would have saved a lot of time, energy, resources and supply chain friction. Standards for food, chemical products and technical specifications for machinery have led to problems, according to the study. In the first six months of 2021, exports to the EU fell by 15.6%. That's worth about £12.4 billion. And it hampered the ability of British businesses to trade with the EU. This study by Aston University found that requirements in relation to the EU health and safety standards for those various products mentioned have been most detrimental. So I expect we'll see more of these reports as the situation worsens, which I expected to. William Bain, who's the head of trade policy at the British Chamber of Commerce, said that the findings concur with their own experience that uh, SPS requirements have had a deeply negative effect on the UK's exports with the European Union, and they'd have been much higher had the United Kingdom still been part of that union. These trade barriers are real costs to businesses in the UK, and the government should be doing more to negotiate better arrangements if it's insistent on promoting Brexit as a success, which it clearly isn't. The European Union launched a legal action against the United Kingdom over the Northern Ireland Protocol this week as it prepares for a trade war with the United Kingdom if the situation worsens. SPS, by the way, just in case you're wondering, stands for Sanitary and Phytosanitary. These are the measures that were introduced as a consequence of Brexit and that the rules for moving plants and animals across borders. So that's what SPS is. And it's all that bureaucracy that's costing money and causing supply chain friction. Another thing I noticed this week is that dairy farmers in Northern Ireland have said the Brexit bill, currently going through Parliament in the UK by the British government, is likely to create more uncertainty for Northern Ireland's dairy farmers. And we're only at the start of this because lots of the regulations aren't actually being implemented presently. So there's more to come. So Brexit, not quite done, Prime Minister, or undone, maybe, by the Northern Ireland Protocol. The 1st of July, for more of these changes to come into operation, looms large, and it's likely to introduce more chaos. It's particularly hard for small firms trying to import or export products across borders. A larger proportion of their resources and cost is being consumed in all this bureaucracy. Interestingly, it was reported this week that because the UK has increased the volumes of natural gas being pumped to the EU as a result of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, this is boosting exports despite Brexit. Figures from the Office of National Statistics showed EU exports rose for a third consecutive month to $16.4 billion in April, the highest monthly level in current prices since records began in 1997. So the war seems to be saving the Brexit bacon at the moment. UK fuel exports rose $500 million on the month, driven by gas and crude oil to the Netherlands and Ireland because of the heightened demand, refilling gas storage sites in their run-up to winter. So this is a slight distortion, but if you take those exports out, then it's a much flatter picture. Although the United Kingdom has three large terminal capacities to store or to process LNG, liquid gas, it's unable to stockpile much because it closed one of the largest storage facilities, a rough storage facility, back in 2017. 
when the government refused to subsidise maintenance and upgrades needed to keep it open. Europe's four biggest storage holders are Germany, Italy, the Netherlands and France, and they have capacity equivalent to more than a quarter of annual consumption, while the UK has only 2% of annual demand. This makes the UK far more dependent on domestic production, pipeline and LNG imports. So, quite a risk to energy supplies. As fuel prices rise, I suspect that those maintenance costs and subsidies are looking pretty cheap now by comparison to purchasing on future contracts and spot markets for oil and gas. The value of exports to Russia fell from £268 million in February to just £38 million in April. Imports from Russia have collapsed, falling from £1.8 billion in February to just £244 million in April. The retail price of fuel in the United States is lower than in the UK, but that's mainly due to the high taxes placed on fuel in the United Kingdom. And it's been no deterrent for the UK exporting. The UK has the second highest petrol prices among the, the G20. Only French drivers pay more. It's rising at the highest rate in 17 years. In the United States, drivers are facing their highest prices on record. But they still pay only 60% of what British drivers do. So why is 3 billion litres of petrol and components to make it being shipped from the United Kingdom to the US this year? Well, it's almost entirely because of taxes. With petrol currently around pound eighty-three. To £1.85 per litre. That's the equivalent of about $8.50 a gallon. And that compares to about $5.04 per gallon in the United States or a pound and sixpence. So it's uh, profitable. Some hard pressed consumers and businesses in the UK might be asking the question well, why can't we have those prices? And you won't have to ship it far. While fuel costs keep rising, of course, that puts the price of everything up. And it's very difficult to predict how much goods such as food and everyday household goods will have to rise as a consequence of the increasing fuel price. And until that's resolved and there's some stability in the market, then it's going to cause a lot of pain for both consumers and businesses in the coming months. China has also struggled with Russia's war in the Ukraine. It's put pressure on their supply chains, getting goods out of China by rail, which have to go through Russia. And over a million of those containers have had to go by sea instead. Fortunately, China's well-placed to send goods by sea. But that, of course, will push the price of shipping containers up as the demand for those containers on ships or shipping space will increase as a consequence of the rail traffic being a no-go. So I wonder how long China will wait before they react to Russia's war in Ukraine. China, of course, still has its own problems with COVID-19. And this week, Shanghai got locked down once again. So it's stop-start, stop-start, stop-stop. Supply chains remain severely disrupted as a consequence of this policy of zero tolerance. Now, do you remember Pareto's 80-20 rule? Yeah, the one that said 80% 
of the problems are usually caused by 20% of the items. Well, does that still hold? Answer, it might do. But what we're seeing is more and more volatility. But the volatility is caused, perhaps, by even smaller amounts than you might think. COVID was a big one because it affected everybody in the world. And that was a serious problem. When we talk about obstacles, that was a very big one. And it's still not over. There's still a way to go. But when we talk about all the problems with energy costs and rising fuel prices and broken supply chains presently, many of those broken supply chains are as a consequence of one thing, and that's Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Resolve that, resolve the energy flows, and the world changes. That's not to say that all supply chain problems just fade away, because they won't, because there's a lot of uncertainty that's now around in all kinds of supply chains. And of course, the ways in which those supply chains have been fixed have been temporary fixes rather than structural. And what's happening presently is that many organisations and many countries are rethinking their supply chains for structural change because they want to reduce these risks permanently. These are, of course, strategic issues rather than operational. And they go beyond the supply chain domain to a much broader spectrum of political, economic and social factors. Hence all the talk about geopolitics. One can only dream of a time when energy prices become lower, production costs as a result become lower, transportation costs lower, availability increases, lockdowns disappear, disruptions due to air cargo, ports, road and rail and shipping all disappear. If only dreams could come true. I bet that's the same for supply chain managers the world over. Well, this week, just on another note, in the press, lots of stories about strikes about to happen in the United Kingdom. The Rail and Maritime Transport Union is about to hold strikes, which will stop the rail network for three full days next week. And so there's going to be a lot of disruption. It's likely that these disruptions will continue as inflationary pressures become greater. I suspect this will be but the first of many strikes on the horizon as workers come under pressure and the value of wages falls as a result of inflation. There may be trouble ahead. Well, there always is. That's what supply chain managers and supply chain professionals deal with every day. Revlon has filed for bankruptcy in the United States and it's blamed it on supply chain disruptions which have caused it to have higher material costs, raw materials. Revlon's been going for 90 years and it says that supplier payments, inflation and labour shortage have been a struggle recently. Throughout that time it's been a consistent and successful cosmetics brand with well-known names such as Elizabeth Arden, Almay and Cutex and some fragrances fronted by Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears. In recent times, it has had competition from new brands, but this is the end of the era for Revlon. It was started by two brothers, Charles and Joseph Revson, back in 1932. And Charles Lackman started selling nail polish soon after. In the 1950s, it had become an international brand. 
So this is what happens when you get supply chain disruptions and you begin to run out of cash. Great shame, really. Well, the Federal Reserve in the United States this week raised interest rates by three quarters of a percentage point, 0.75. In the United Kingdom, it went up by 0.25, making interest rates one and a quarter percent. In the United States, interest rates sit between 1.5, 1.75. It's all to dampen demand. It's a fight against inflation. Whether it's enough, well, remains to be seen. But they get this chance every month to change the interest rate. Inflation is not going to come down anytime soon. All the signs are it will go up. The Bank of England's already forecast a November rate of around 11%, but that might be optimistic. While interest rates might, of course, dampen demand if demand were the cause of the inflation, but most of the inflation we're seeing currently is a result of supply push inflation. It's suppliers having higher costs for energy and fuel That's pushing those costs through the system rather than consumer demand. And consumer demand is likely to fall in any case because of inflationary pressures. So interest rates are not very effective in that situation. Oil prices are surging. The chief executive of JP Morgan said this week that he thinks oil prices could surge to 175 a barrel. And that's about 52 cents up on what it is currently. So that'd be very bad news indeed if that happened. In 2008, it was $40 a barrel. During the pandemic, it fell quite low back to around $80 a barrel and stabilised for some time. So if it gets to 175, that's double the 80 it was just about a year or so ago. James Walton is Chief Economist at the... IGD, the Institute of Grocery Distribution. And they have a a new report out called the Insight Report. And they're forecasting that food inflation might hit 15% by the end of the summer, beginning of autumn this year. And over the year, the average rate for the year is likely to be around 10 to 12%. The key food items pushing up prices, of course, bread and cereals with all that grain locked in Ukraine and uh, not getting to the market, putting prices up around the globe. So the, the world price for bread and cereals rising, protein with meat and fish also rising and fresh fruit rising and Dairy products rising. Anyone has been to the supermarket recently and looked at the price of those items will realise that those prices are pushing up. And this is supply-side inflation. It's producers that need to recover costs that they're incurring for energy and transport. So it's not demand-led inflation, it's cost-push inflation. It's coming from the supply side, which means that interest rate rises will have little effect on supply-side inflation. What it might do, of course, is take money out of the economy and lower demand, which actually makes the situation worse, which is possibly why the Bank of England was cautious in setting its rate. Nevertheless, this could have impact on the exchange rate value, which could cause another problem. So it's all tricky. Well, that's the News Roundup for this week. I hope you've enjoyed the News Roundup. It's a bit doom and gloom at the moment, but hopefully there are some good things happening fairly soon. Keep listening. Search out that supply chain advantage.
In the meantime, I'm signing off. I'm Tony Hines. You've been listening to Chain Reaction News Roundup. I'll see you next time. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, written, presented and produced by Tony Hines. Hi, I'm Tony Hines. I'm here to tell you about the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. I've been researching and writing about supply chains for over 25 years. I wrote my first book on supply chain strategies in the early 2000s. Each week we have special episodes on particular topics relating to supply chains. Now we have a weekly news roundup every Saturday at 12 noon. All things impacting global supply chains in that week. So come and join us on the Chain Reaction Podcast. I look forward to seeing you there. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. Bye for now.